your terrorist therapist and welcome to the terrorist therapist show i'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror today we're going to be talking about suicide by pilot and that could also be suicide by flight attendant but that's a little more difficult suicide by pilot is going to be something that you're going to be unfortunately hearing about more and more that is, if the mainstream media takes its head out of the sand and starts paying attention to the facts. T suicide by pilot can come about um, by a pilot who's a terrorist and wants to bring down the plane for those political and, and um, religious reasons. Or it is also oftentimes by, caused by a psychiatric condition, mental illness. Um, but what we, what that is going to be the amount of the number of planes that have, that are going to be brought down by pilots with mental illness is relatively uh, a steady number as compared to the increasing number we have started to see and will continue to see because of pilots who are terrorists. Now, let me just give you some statistics. Every day, 22 veterans commit suicide. There are, from fatal plane crashes, 53% that are due to pilot error. Every year, there is an unknown number of plane crashes that are brought down by pilots who are committing suicide. Why is that an unknown number? Because despite some of the facts that are brought out during the investigation of these kinds of accidents, the media and the airlines um, are in collusion to not acknowledge that, in fact, this is suicide by pilot. The airlines, of course, don't want to acknowledge it because they don't want you to not fly their airlines or not fly at all, at all. and they don't want to have to pay out large sums to um, the families of the passengers who were killed, which would be much larger sums if it turns out to be suicide by pilot because in fact um, what that means is that the airline should be taking much more careful consideration of who they allow to be pilots and that's where i'm going with this today um, explaining to you talking to you about why in fact you need to do something about this you need to insist upon the homeland security and the airline industry to start vetting pilots and flight attendants much more carefully than they do now. In fact, even people working at the airports, baggage handlers, and so on, for obvious reasons. Now, talk about obvious. <laughs> One of the things that should be obvious is that, um, in fact, and of course, all this whole topic today is being brought to you because of um, the Egypt uh, airline, Egypt Air, that uh, just came down, and um, for which the media is giving all kinds of explanations as to what brought it down. Uh, in fact, I have even seen some reports saying that it was brought down by a meteor and even by a UFO. Now that's stretching it. Well, let's talk about what the more realistic uh, possibilities are. First of all, Flight 804 
of Egypt Air crashed on May 19th, 2016. It was uh, flying from Paris, France to Cairo, Egypt. And um, there, when I tell you some of the things that have been brought out, uh, not by the media, but um, by Walid Shubat, who is a, an ex-Muslim, he calls himself an ex, he's a, an ex-terrorist, I should say, he's a Muslim, an ex-terrorist. And um, he is able to read not just uh, things that are written in English, of course, but also things that are written about and that are on the television and various forms of media in, um, in other countries. And so he has put together a profile of this pilot that is shocking. Um, let's see. The as I, I was starting to say, and to give you a little bit of background for why it should be obvious that we should look in this direction, not just from for Egypt Air, but in general when planes crash, especially as terrorism, the threat of terrorism, the the terrorist attacks um, are growing. We need to like remember. <laughs> 9-11, remember that? That's that um, major, the most important terrorist attack, uh, at least to us in the United States, and in general, the most dramatic terrorist attack anywhere, really, um, was that of September 11th, 2001. And what did that attack consist of? It, it consisted of four planes crashing. Now, um, it, it, these planes were primarily hijacked and the cockpit broken into and the plane crashed, forced to crash. But essentially, we should keep looking at the pilots and the um, air, airplane personnel and anything that has to do with airplanes as the um, potential cause of very dramatic terrorist attacks, like, of course, an airplane crash. Um, so just to remind you all of, of September 11th, we had American Airlines Flight 11, which was hijacked and crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. We have United Airlines Flight 175 that um, was hijacked and crashed into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. American Airlines Flight 77 was hijacked and crashed into the Pentagon. And then United Airlines Flight 93 was hijacked. And if, you know, thanks to some brave passengers, uh, it, although it did crash in Pennsylvania, it is certainly thought uh, to this day that this stopped the plane from reaching its actual target, the White House or the Capitol buildings. So is it really um, a far reach to think about uh, pilots committing suicide, um, taking planes down, crashing planes as a means of another terrorist attack? I mean, just think, this is one person who can cause such a dramatic attack and the loss of so many lives um, as compared to some of the other attacks where it took more coordination and more, more people. I mean, if you think about the Paris, the recent Paris attacks or the Brussels attacks, um, you know, that was more of a coordinated kind of attack that took more planning. 
So let's talk about the pilot of Egypt Air Flight 804. Um, his name was Captain Mohammed Shakir. He was Egyptian. And um, there is evidence that he was on a suicide mission. Um, there was, is evidence that he converted the plane into essentially a makeshift mosque. I'm quoting from uh, Walid Shubat. Um, that he used the equipment, the navigation equipment on the plane, to tell passengers the direction of Mecca. He invited uh, some friends of his to come together uh, for a kind of last supper. Um, these friends have, have talked about that. Um, he, he, friends and colleagues. He was hinting that the end is near, the end of his life and that he was ready to meet his maker. This is at this farewell dinner. Um, he bid his friends farewell and with words that these friends say uh, came out of his mouth for the first time. Then um, what's interesting is that some newspapers like the uh, Telegraph, the UK Telegraph, jotted some of his behavior but failed to note the significance of it. It talked about, um, th this newspaper said, uh, cabin crew and fellow pilots paid tribute to Captain Mohammed Shakir, a cheerful and religious man who would pray on board and help others find the direction of Mecca using the flight's navigation equipment. Now, you know, that in and of itself um, doesn't mean he was suicidal, but there's more. Um, and we have, of course, not only is our United States or, or uh, Western media either totally being clueless about these things um, or purposely hiding uh, the, the um, indications that it was suicide by pilot, but some of them, especially in Egypt, of course, and, and in the Middle East, are arguing that he did not commit suicide. They, as their way of, um, their reason for claiming that, they say he purchased a plot of land as if purchasing a plot of land, and it's not clear when he did this, meant that he meant, wasn't planning on ever committing suicide. Shakir was single, 36. He refused to marry. There is some, um, some suggestion that he was gay. Um, it was unusual for... Um, someone like him to not want to get married. He had said he never wanted to get married. Um, his brother, even his brother is saying, his brother Bahat Shakir said, my brother Mohammed, the pilot, called me before he took off on that fateful day and asked me to pray for him. And I do consider him a martyr. Now, <laughs> you know, another, if you're not convinced, and I, I know what you're thinking, he didn't leave a suicide note. That is true. Um, and um, he, he didn't give praise. At least we haven't, we don't, we, we don't really have the black box yet, but um, it's not clear that he said something like Allahu Akbar before the plane crashed. Um, we do know that the plane veered, you know, as if there was some disturbance in the cockpit. Um, so, 
so what you know there he didn't write it out it's also interesting have you noticed that so far anyway no um terrorist group uh not isis not al-qaeda um they haven't claimed responsibility for this which you know if 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 he were working with them directly or or another terrorist group they might well have done but there is in fact um evidence that he was linked to a man who is known to be a terrorist um his name is amir khalid and he has he is an islamic televangelist who runs a tv show called the makers of life and he uses it to raise jihadists to to um as propaganda to get people to become terrorists and he there's a picture that's making the rounds of Amir Khalid with Captain Mohammed Ahmad Shakir uh, on a plane, as a matter of fact, where, um, and he's saying, you know, what a good man the Captain Shakir was. Well, you know, okay, then then look, you know, they're great friends. Look who, who Amir Khalid is. Certainly all of these things put together, the fact that he's linked with this known, known tele-evangelist who recruits terrorists, um, and who considers him or considered him a really good friend. Um, he had this last supper. He was called a martyr. He said, uh, I am dying. And um, now what's interesting is that the passenger list has, of course, a lot of names um, that are Egyptian or Muslim names. And the question is how much, uh, you know, so, so there's the thought that, that, they could have abetted him or that, the, you know, maybe a bomb was brought on, on the flight. But, and yes, you know, the whole thing is just because someone, I want, I need to say it each time I talk about this, uh, all Muslims aren't terrorists and all terrorists aren't Muslims, but this captain Mohammed Shakir being the good buddy <laughs> BFF, with um, a known terrorist, a, a tele-evangelist who recruits terrorists. I mean, that, you know, that is more than a little bit um, suspicious that it was suicide by pilot. Uh, what's interesting, too, is that um, there, are, there are some other things that happened that are either premonitions or coincidences or are also suspect. There, you may have uh, read about this woman who was a flight attendant on the plane. Her name was Samar Ez Eldin, and Ez Eldin means the glory of Islam. She was 27. She put posted on Facebook in September 2014, about four months after she was hired at Egyptian Air, a picture of herself and of a stewardess and um, coming, walking out of the water, carrying a, a carry-on bag. And behind her is an airplane um, with its nose in the ocean. You know, it's a nosedive into the ocean, a crash. And um, indeed, she was on this plane. Now, the photographer has apparently come out and said that this photograph was just a joke and so on. But really, four months after she's hired at Egypt Air, she posts this picture 
And uh, was it a premonition? Was she scared that uh, this was a dangerous job and she might, in fact, um, end up in a plane crash, dying in a plane crash? Was it a coincidence that um, the flight attendant on this flight, uh, this doomed flight, happened to put a picture like this on Facebook? Or is she suspect? Was she somehow linked to either the pilot, you know, and did something to help him um, to commit suicide by pilot or, you know, agree with his um, plan to bring the plane down because of her terrorist beliefs? That certainly could well be. And it certainly is a lot more likely than a meteor or a UFO. Um, now, I talked about how their suicide by pilot is committed by pilots who um, either have terrorist uh, philosophies and are doing this as an attack and or um, people who have mental health issues. Now, um, we, you know, one of the most recent examples of, of a of pilot who committed suicide um, because of mental health issues was the one that we had about a year ago, March 24th, 2015. The pilot, he was a co-pilot actually, Andreas Lubitz, um, brought down the German Wings plane. It was uh, a low-cost carrier that was owned by the German airlines Lufthansa. It was going from Barcelona, Spain to Dusseldorf, Germany. Now, he um, was also someone who passed under the radar, so to speak, and was not, um, was not, well, was not taken off flying, was, was still allowed to fly, even though there were so many red flags, it was ridiculous. Um, they knew that he had been treated for suicidal tendencies, um, even before, in fact, he had been uh, not allowed to uh, to fly at one point. His, um, you know, when he was in flight school, he was treated for suicidal depression, uh, psychotic depression, and um, and yet he was somehow still allowed to fly. And in fact, on the day that he crashed the plane, he had been declared unfit to fly, unfit to work by doctors. But he didn't give those notes in to the airlines. And he, you know, because he had this plan that he was going uh, to crash the plane. I mean, he was suicidal. He was mentally ill. It wasn't just, you know, if he, if he wasn't a pilot, he would likely have found some other way to commit suicide at some point because his depression and was he, he was suicidal. Um, he had a very severe depression, bouts, recurrent bouts of severe depression in which he was suicidal. And so, and so the fact that he was a, a pilot allowed him to do it in this grandiose kind of way. Um, so what is the, what, what should you take from all of this? Um, what we need to take from it is that Airlines need to be much more careful in their screening of certainly pilots as well as 
uh, airline personnel, flight attendants, and, and people who work on the ground. Just to add a little bit more to the um, the Lufthansa flight. I mean, obviously, obviously, this pilot. I mean, it was a tragedy for him as well as for the people on on his flight, um, flight that he crashed. But he um, he actually locked out the captain. The captain presumably went on a toilet break. I mean, that is what is thought. And he, um, Captain Sodenheimer, and he had a code to unlock the cockpit door, but the um, but the co-pilot, the suicidal co-pilot, um, was able to disable the the code panel for the lock, and so the captain couldn't get back in. And when the voice recording was heard, um, you could hear the captain trying to break into the cockpit. What was fascinating to me as a psychiatrist was that um, you could hear the co-pilot, Andreas Lubitz, his steady breathing. So he had obviously planned this for a while. This was not a, a, um, a last-minute idea. He was very calm about um, carrying through with his plans to commit suicide. Now, there was no suicide note for him either comparing it to, to the Egypt airplane, if, you know, to try to say that uh, the Egypt air pilot was not on a suicide mission for terrorism. There was no suicide note for Andreas Lubitz either. But there certainly, there was a wealth of um, reports by doctors, medical records, and so on, talking about his suicidal tendencies. And, and in fact, um, he had probably a psychotic belief, though it's, it's not really clear. He had a belief, in any case, that he was going blind. And um, he knew that if he went blind, he wouldn't be able to fly planes anymore. And that had been his boyhood dream. So it is thought that this was what precipitated his final decision to commit suicide because he thought it was just a matter of time. His eyes were getting worse. And in fact, airlines do do a fairly good job of checking a pilot's uh, eyesight because that's pretty straightforward. But they do a very, very bad um, uh, um, job of checking for pilot psychological stability. So, um, you know, I, I can tell you from a personal, I must confess that when I go on planes, um, I look as the pilots are boarding and I try to decide whether um, I have a good feeling about them, whether they look drunk, whether they look like they've had enough sleep, whether they look angry um, or, you know, like they, they have some ulterior motive. And of course, it's, you know, very difficult. I mean, I guess you could, you could tell if, if a pilot was drunk and stumbling or, or stumbling for some reason because he didn't get sleep or was drunk or something, took, uh, took uh, anti-anxiety medication. You could see that. But unfortunately, you can't really see as a pilot walks onto the plane whether he's a terrorist. You need to have done all of that background checking way beforehand. So should all Muslim pilots and flight attendants be banned? What about planes that come from Egypt or other um, largely, well, other countries where there are lots of terrorists? Should we no longer allow these airlines to come to the United States? or even, or to Western Europe for that matter. 
Um, what about pilots who are, you know, we have domestic terrorists as well. What about pilots who uh, are American and we don't know that they've been radicalized? Um, the bottom line is that there needs to be a lot more checking. I actually, uh, as a psychiatrist, have had occasion to uh, examine um, a pilot or pilots from time to time. Um, there was one who was manic depressive and um, he had a case. This was for when I was working as a, when, <laughs> when I put my hat on as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, um, uh, I do evaluations of people involved in lawsuits. And in this particular case, it was a pilot who was suing a bank because they took advantage of him um, and let him uh, buy a house that he didn't have the capital to buy and wanted to evict him. And they took advantage of the fact that he was in a manic phase of manic depressive illness. Now, my reports finding that, of course, then put him in jeopardy, if not caused him to lose his job as a pilot um, with the airlines because of how, um, because of his being in that a somewhat psychotic state. So that caused me to, there was a lot of questioning of, of what would be the right thing to do. Um, so what you need, what do you need to do about all this? I don't mean to just scare you. In my, in my last podcast, I was talking about how you need to fly the, um, the questionably friendly skies. My, my point is that you need to contact people uh, involved in the airlines, and I'm going to give you some some contact information um, and, and insist upon there being more uh, better screening for pilots, for airplane attendants, and of course for the people on the ground who work at the airports. And um, let me tell you some of those. You need to write to them. You also need to question the media, you know, talk to your friends about this. Um, and, and when you hear reports about how it's a UFO or a meteor that caused a plane to crash, please question that. Quit more, quit more people need to be asking more questions about whether the pilot was suicidal. So here are some of the places that you can make complaints to. Um, and these relate to the Department, the U.S. Department of Transportation. Um, you can file a formal complaint by contacting airsafe.com or uh, flightsgonebad.com, the Aviation Consumer Protection Division. Aviation Consumer Protection Division, there's an online complaint form. Um, you can contact the FAA, the TSA. You can also contact the, uh, well, the FAA, here is a uh, a telephone number for them. You can obviously contact them online, but you can actually call them and express your discomfort with the lackadaisical way that they have been uh, vetting pilots. And their number is 866-TELL-FAA, -E 866-835-5322. And um, another thing that you do, just to before before I close, um, you may be wondering, talking <laughs> talking all about suicide. You may be wondering about uh, people you know, pe friends and family, 
um, who may have had suicidal thoughts. I mean, obviously, if you suspect suicide, and I'm going to give you some of the risk factors, um, the best thing that you can do for them is to get them uh, into the hands of a, of a professional, into the hands of a psychiatrist. And that may entail calling 911 because oftentimes people who are suicidal don't want to get help because that you know they're afraid that'll interfere with their plans to commit suicide especially if the mental health professional hospitalizes them but here are some of the signs to look for if someone you know uh, seems to have a sad mood all the time to be in a deep depression or it doesn't have to be all of the time it can be uh, recurrent um, if they're in a deep depression, if they have problems sleeping too much or too little, eating too much or too little, gaining or losing a lot of weight, talking about death, giving away their belongings. If they've recently had a major loss, such as of a uh, romantic partner or of their job. If they're isolating themselves and not doing the usual things that they enjoy. If they've made a suicide attempt in the past. And then also, if someone, if this person has uh, a tendency to uh, abuse or in, overindulge sometimes in alcohol or drugs, that is a very dangerous situation because even if someone hasn't made the definitive plan to commit suicide, but they get drunk or they take too many pills like opioids um, and they get into a... Uh, vague mental state where they their judgment is becomes unsound their unconscious thoughts of committing suicide often come to the fore and that drives them to do something that they wouldn't have necessarily done at that moment if they hadn't already been drinking or taking drugs so the bottom line to all of this besides protecting your friends and family in terms of suicide getting them help calling 911, um, not being afraid to call 911. You may save somebody's life. But in the meantime, <laughs> the point is you may save your own life by questioning all of these um, ridiculous explanations for plane crashes, especially as terrorism and terrorist attacks are growing by the day. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I thank you for listening. I've again put... The monster of terrorism, uh, taken it out of the closet, put it on my couch, and exposed what you need to think about um, to try to help yourself and everybody else be prepared and be safe. Again, uh, look for my upcoming, soon-to-be-coming <laughs> book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror.